Thank you, guys. I praise the Lord for Trey and for our uh, worship ministry, for our choir and our musicians. Would you give them a hand and just thank the Lord for them with me? I know you've been blessed already today by our time of worship together and the truths that we sang. We didn't just sing songs, did we? Uh, we proclaimed back to God uh, what He has already revealed to us, the truth of His Word. Uh, we proclaimed here in each other's hearings a reminder and an, an echo yet again of all of who God is and what He's done for us. And uh, I, I, I think that's something we can be thankful for. And I don't think it's a given uh, to have a worship pastor, to have a, a music ministry who does that for us and who puts that meat in front of us week by week. The one uh, song that you guys led us in today was beautiful. Uh, I've, I've loved that song for a long time, especially the chorus. And it makes no other statement other than there is. These things exist. There is a fountain, right? Who is the king? He's a victorious warrior and lord of everything. It doesn't say anything of what he did or, or, or more, just that it is. There is a fountain. Victorious warrior, lord of everything. My rock, my shelter. My very own blessed Redeemer who reigns upon the throne. Why is there thankfulness to be had just in that one phrase that there is? And can you imagine a world today as you sit in here, if these things were changed by one little syllable, if it was there isn't a fountain, there isn't a king, there's no mighty warrior and there is none who rules over everything. There is no rock. There is no shelter. You're on your own. There's no blessed redeemer. There's no one occupying the throne. We can praise God just in the, those two words. Right, Ralph? There is. And this morning we have a hope that surpasses anything that we might generate on our own. There is a fountain. I've talked to folks this morning who've had loss this week, have had uh, tragedies in their lives. Met a man today who's with us uh, as a guest who lost his wife just a matter of months ago. And he sits here with tears in his eyes. And in that loss, uh, as I shook his hand, uh, he found his way to God's house. There's a rock, amen? There is a shelter. There is a king. There are people this morning who are facing surgery tomorrow. For the second time, unexpected, serious cancer. There are people here who in one family are, are having a, a major uh, joint replacement tomorrow and also an unknown heart exploration. Uh, you're suffering, you're questioning. There are those who want that little life to enter their family. By, by some unknown reason, it hasn't. Come. They want that job. They want that degree. They want that. We live in a broken world, don't we? A broken by sin. A, a world that, that, that sin has infected all around us, where evil is everywhere, where young men and young women are uh, susceptible uh, to the devastation of sin coming in to your life and changing everything, altering things for forever because sin has, because of a choice to open your life up to the, what the world has said and what Satan has deceived us into. 
sin has broken and brought death and brought sorrow. I'm glad this morning that there is a fountain. And I'm glad that we have the Word of God to reveal to us these things. And this is what we've been exploring lately, is God's Word and what that means to us. What we can know about this Bible that we go to every Sunday. We don't come here on Sunday morning and recite poems to each other, as much as that may may be beautiful in its own way. But we don't do it because we have one authority, and that is the Word of God. And because it has the authority of being spoken by God, then guess what? It has the, it's our only source of comfort and of truth. So you sit here this morning in a good place to hear about a good thing, uh, God's Word. And so let's turn together, if you will, to Psalm 119. God's Word is put forth here as the cure for a sinful world and a broken world, as the comfort for a life that is hurting and wounded, for uh, the homeland of those who are passing through a foreign place. This is our, our family book. This tells of where we're really from and where our citizenship lies and where we're going. And so turn in your Bible to Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, these words will be on the screen for you. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. And we have those set out for you on the table in the back. Uh, There's no cost to you. If you need that, you take it. That's what, what it's for. And it's just a gift from our church's heart to you today. Short couple of verses here. Three verses in the midst of the longest section of Scripture. Psalm 119, it goes on seemingly forever and over and over it talks about God's word if you want to really kind of saturate yourself uh, with the beauty of God's word read Psalm 119 it's in in its entirety uh, when you go home today but we're going to focus on three verses here and talk about them together for just a moment how can a young man verse 9 how can a young man keep his way pure so many implications there that you might imagine. Uh, but really, uh, the, the word for young man there is lad or boy. It's the same word used of Isaac when uh, God uh, dispatched Abraham to the mountainside to make that sacrifice. Uh, the, the, the implication here is just of, of someone who hasn't grown up, hasn't, hasn't matured fully yet. How can a young man keep his way pure? or if you have the King James Version, cleanse his way by guarding it according to your word. Verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It all centers around God's word. And how should we see God's word? as we live in a sin-broken world. Let's look at this together. There are three ways. The first is this. The Bible is our measure for living. The Bible is our measure for living. I noticed two things about this opening verse. It's a question. uh, How can a young man keep his way pure? And it's almost posed as an impossible question, an exasperated question. How How possibly can a young man keep his way pure in a world that is infected 
on all sides by sin. In a world where, where there's temptation and where, where we face fierce spiritual opposition, how in the world can, we, can a young man keep his way pure? Is there any way? The answer uh, would be kind of a, it's, it's impossible except for the Word of God. He can keep it pure by guarding it according to the Word of God. Two things I want you to see here. The first is this. This is not a defended proposition. There's no explanation given uh, for the need to keep his way pure. It's just assumed, it's just presumed uh, that there is a standard of holiness to which we are accountable. It's like eating this afternoon. None of us is going to leave here in a few minutes and say, should we eat, right? You're going to go eat. You're not going to say, well, maybe we should. Let's talk about the reasons for eating. Someone might say, well, it nourishes us, okay? Uh, it, you know, it's, it, it's fellowship time, okay? We don't talk about eating. Tonight, when your kids come around your kitchen, they're not going to ask you if, if there's a good reason to eat. They're going to say what? I'm hungry, right? Uh, it, we know it's assumed, it's presumed. We don't have to explain and justify that desire. It is assumed here that there is a standard to which we are accountable. It is assumed. It, it, it is understood that young men and old men, that young ladies and old ladies, that all of us are accountable to a standard of purity that is given to us by God. It's not defended. It's assumed. We're accountable to it. But secondly, there are no limits placed on this. This is not an issue that you say, well, he's too young uh, for all that stuff, for God's word. No, this, uh, even a lad, even a young boy is accountable to this standard. Oh, they've grown too old to care about the things of God. No. Oh, that's just childishness. There's a notion in our world right now that, uh, that we're, we're to revel in our youthful years, right? That we go through high school and college and, and all sorts and manner of sin are excusable because why? Because we are young. But the Bible says here, no, we're accountable to the standard of purity that God has given to us. We had a manger build yesterday here at our church where men and their kids came and gathered around and built mangers in our fellowship hall. And right at the beginning of it, uh, Chip Young got up, and Chip said, here's how you do it, right? Is Chip here? I'm, I'm not sure. He, he said, here's how you do it. He showed us how to do it. And then we had a book that we were given, a book with instructions <clears throat> of how to build this manger. And so we said, all right, it's time to go. And all the dads got their manger materials. Guess what they did with the books? <laughs> Gone, right? The book laid down somewhere. Uh, now, some of you opened, I could tell which ones did. Because the ones who didn't uh, soon got lost and started wandering around, right? And I saw, in fact, this was my little group, sadly. I was one of them. We had to take our manger back apart and put it back together because we didn't follow the instructions. There was frustration happening, and, uh, and pretty soon, those of us who were lingering at the end, what did we do? We reached back to get what? The book, right? We opened the book to see how to build this manger. I saw one man who had built his wrong trying to 
flex the legs of the manger as far as he could to, to force it in together. Guess what? They, do, they don't flex that well. Uh, you've got to do it according to the standard. God's word is our standard. God's holiness is our standard. That There is a standard to which everyone is accountable. And guess what? God's word does not bend to us to where we want to go, to what we want to do, to where we want to take it. We adjust to it. If you go down a little further in this long passage of Scripture, Psalm 119, verse 89, here's what it says. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly, do you know it, fixed in the heavens. God's word does not change. And young man, this morning I want you to know it is never too early to realize and for the rest of us, it is never too late to remember that our lives are answerable to the unchanging word of God. Do you want to enjoy the benefits and the blessedness of a purely lived life? Then guess what? Commit yourself to God's word being your standard for who you're going to be. That, that's, that's the way that a young man can keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. The Bible is our measure for living but secondly the bible is our treasure for seeking it's our treasure to be sought after with all of who we are in verse 10 uh, the writer here says i have sought you with my whole heart with all that i am i seek you let me not wander from your commandments notice there are only two options here that there's an option of seeking god and then there's an option of wandering from his commandments there's no option of just sitting still why do you think that is there is no sitting still because we have a tendency to drift toward what toward wandering drift away from god's word we don't drift toward god's word this doesn't happen passively there's no sitting still here it takes action we have to pursue we have to seek god or we're going to drift from god when's the last time you drifted toward healthy eating you, just, you went to the grocery store and you just drifted toward the broccoli, right? It, does, it doesn't really happen, does it? What do you drift toward? I drift toward the candy aisle, the chips. Uh, that's, where we, that's where we drift. When's the last time you drifted toward uh, something like using good language? Guys, when you're in the shop and you're working on something and you make that cut and it, it, it's, a, it's, it's the wrong cut, you don't have any more lumber there. You've got to go to the hardware store now. When's the last time you just kind of drifted toward praising the Lord in that moment, right? What do you drift toward? You know what? You drift toward other things. We don't drift toward holiness, do we? When's the last time you drifted toward virtue in this area, toward exercise? When's the last time you drifted, students, toward education, towards doing your homework and just giving it your all? We have to be disciplined for these things the bible is a treasure worth the action of seeking it out and this man says i seek you god with my whole heart I, i'm gonna seek you otherwise i'm gonna wander from you my little dog arthur is up here at our house right now and many of you have gotten to know him because he loves to come down and see you I've only found one person that Arthur doesn't like, and <clears throat> they're here today. I won't say who that is, but um, 
Arthur's a little puppy, and he loves people, and so we like him to be outside, and he likes to be outside. He, he lives inside too, but he loves being outside, and so we have got a little collar on him that if he wanders outside of a certain radius, it'll give him a beep, a warning uh, that he's gone too far, and then it'll give him a little buzz, right, a little, a little shock. Uh, to remind him that he's outside the boundaries. He knows this very well. And he knows exactly where the edge of the boundary is. The other day, and this happens from time to time, I saw Arthur, uh, he, when he sees you come to church and you're down here in the parking lot, he wants to come love on y'all and be loved by you and jump on you and scratch your shoes and all that. And he was right there at the edge of the boundary. He's just waiting for you to maybe make eye contact with him, right? He knows the collar's on. I mean, he knows the jolt is there. He knows where the boundary is. But if you give him the, the slightest incentive, he's going to come bounding down the steps to see you. It's worth the jolt. It's worth the shock to get to come and ruin your day, right? The other day, he jumped in someone's car and started licking their child. And <clears throat> it happened. Amy, uh, Amy's not here, but it was a little... Uh, Reagan, Reagan Allen, got attacked in her own car by little baby Arthur. It's worth the effort. And the Bible tells us here that it is worth the effort. This man found it to be, this writer. The Bible doesn't identify the writer of this psalm, but this one says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek you, Lord, with my whole heart. Is it going to cost him something? You bet it's going to cost him something. He, he, wants to, he wants to stick close to the commandments of God. And so all those things that are far from the commandments of God, there is a cost to following Jesus. But listen, the Bible is our treasure for seeking after. There's no closeness to God outside of his word. All this we sang today about a fountain and a king and a shelter that we need so dearly, it is found in the word of God. And only there. There is no closeness to God outside of his word. You want to walk through this world and, and neglect the word of God in your life, and then when there's a, a sorrow or a hardship or a need, uh, you want to draw from that well, and we find that the well is dry because we have not stuck with the word of God. This is, this is uh, where closeness to God is found. There is no nearness to the heart of God outside of his word. What does God think about this? What's God, God's opinion of this action in my life? What is God's wisdom for uh, this direction? Should I go to this school? Should I uh, pursue getting married right now? <clears throat> you know, should I change jobs at this moment? God doesn't answer these directly in his word. There's no section for that. But his wisdom is revealed here. We go through our lives and want to know, Lord, I'm facing this surgery tomorrow. What, what can I know about you that will help me, that will be a foundation for me. And there's no time to look through the concordance. Or maybe your heart is so rent that you just don't even have the push to, 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 to do it at that moment if it's not already in your heart. You don't have the time to go to that app and to look up what God's Word says or that article. It needs to be something that you have clung to. You see, there is no closeness no nearness there is no anchor into the truth of God there is no access to his power 
aside from the personal pursuit of God's word, and it doesn't happen on its own. There is no sitting and staying when it comes to God's word. We're either pursuing or we're drifting. And in many Christians' lives, the truth is this. There's really a lot of drifting that's going on. We have an obligation to be pursuers of God's word. It's a treasure worth seeking. But lastly, the Bible is our truth for keeping. It's our truth for keeping. Verse 11 is very powerful. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your version and the one you memorized might say, I have what? Hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden it there. I, I, I have, con not, not concealed, but I have secured it there. That's the, that's the heart of this. I'm keeping it in a, a safe place. Something very special is done with God's word. It is hidden or secured in the heart of this man. I brought you a picture this morning. I want you to see. I don't know if you can see this uh, very well. 1961 Sears catalog. There's a child there in the front seat of a car. And this is called the auto strap for front seat tots. And you apparently just strap them to that thing, you know. And you just, they can run around and they can jump on the seat. And they can t it even says in there that your child, uh, let's see, if you're busy driving through traffic, uh, it lets him sit, stand, kneel. Uh, he can take a nap without disturbing the driver, prevent spills from sudden stops, I'll say. Uh, he's got a heavy web harness, keeps him, I mean, he can do it, he can kick you in the face if he wants to uh, <coughs> with that thing. It's an auto strap for front seat tots. It sounds strange to us, doesn't it? Because today, what do we do with our, we don't have front seat tots, for one. Uh, that's changed since I was a kid, but uh, we have back seat tots, and what do we put them in? like cocoons, right? <clears throat> we got Jackson from the hospital. We, we went to Eastridge Hospital and had Jackson, our first baby, and uh, the whole time they kept him there, they kept him um, in one of those little, you know, cradles covered up and just tag on him, scan, scan, and all this stuff. <clears throat> I mean, everywhere he went, he was in this little perfectly cared for, and we walked out. We were young, what, 20 Eight, I think I was 28, I can't remember. But um, anyway, we were young. We walked out to the car with the nurse when our time to go had come, and they handed us the baby, little infant baby Jackson. And I thought at that moment it just occurred to me, oh, my goodness, now we've got, we've got to take care of this, you know? <laughs> I thought, he's been, it's been professionals this whole time. And they've had him in that nice bed that covers him up and swaddled and very protected. I thought, how, how am I going to protect him, you know? Luckily, we had been to the Babies R Us, and before the baby came, and we had bought, like, the, the special big baby carriage, right? I mean, made out of, like, space-age titanium, and we, we put it in there, and we put Jackson in there, and our car came with um, little hooks, and you could use a seat belt to secure the, uh, the baby seat, rear-facing, middle of the middle of the bench, not on the side, the most safest place in the car. And uh, you could use a seatbelt or you could use these anchors. It was kind of a new thing in 2002. And you could anchor the baby seat into metal pieces from the frame 
of the car. We did both, right? We, 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 this was, our, this was our, our precious baby. We hid him in our car. We secured him uh, in our car. We stored him up, if you will, in the best place, in, in the prime position, cocooned in by all the best materials that we could possibly get our hands to. He was a treasure to us. He was precious to us. Lord, let anything happen to me. Let, I'll sit in the front seat. Let that glass come in and, and shatter my life. But God, not him. Not in the back seat. Not, we've got him protected there. We have hid him down in the best place that he can't be touched. The Bible says... This is our aim when it comes to the treasure of the Word of God. If these words sound foreign to us to think of this as a treasure and to really know it, then God help us as a people. God help us as Christians and God help us as American evangelicalism. If to think of God's Word that way, if it's so common, if it's so everywhere, if it's so useless that we don't hide it in that prized place, if we don't put it in, in, in the place of, of security in our lives, and what this means to us is that we memorize, that we, we are so familiar with it, that it is so much a part of us, that we, we have committed it to memory, either on purpose, we, we, we practice this, or we're just so familiar with it that we know it and when the hurt and the heartache and the temptation comes it's right there you don't have to pull up the app you don't have to have your phone you don't have to search where is this what does this say where's this verse at you know you don't have to go in a time of suffering and put in your search engine uh verses for hope when i'm hurting they're in there why? You've secured them. You've hidden them <clears throat> away. And whatever happens to your life, when the glass of this broken world comes shattering in on you, back there protected in your heart, the seat of, of who you are, the seat of your life, are the words and the word of God. Why are we doing the memory verse? Why are we doing this? It's for that very reason. We're putting this in your hands. And mom and dad, don't make this a joke. We're putting this in your hands for you to talk about it with your children, to, to tell them about it. This week, this month, it's Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever at bedtime at night. You know mommy and daddy love you, right? Yes, how do you know we love you? Oh, mom and dad, you care for me. You provide for me. Do you know this is true? The Lord loves you so much more than that. My love is going to end one day when you lay me in the grave. But the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And your son or daughter one day in that relationship with that new boyfriend or girlfriend that's mistreating them and is not honoring them, is not valuing them, is going to remember I don't have to do this because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's going to come back. It's going to rise up when it's called upon. Use this. 
In January, we're going to be starting church-wide reading, Bible reading plan. Two chapters a day for the whole year. We're going to do it together through the Old Testament. We're going to do it together. I'm going to do this. Two chapters a day. Got a great plan here. Our kids right now are learning in fifth grade questions and answers from a godly catechism, if you will. Here's question 24. Why was it necessary for Christ the Redeemer to die? The children's answer is this. Christ died willingly in our place to deliver us from the power and the penalty of sin and to bring us back from God. Here's question one. What is your only hope? What is our only hope in life and death? And the kids, the kids answer is this, that we are not our own but belong to God. Praise the Lord. What is God? Question two. God is the creator of everyone and everything. How many persons are there in God? There are three persons in, in God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're learning this right now in fifth grade. Question by question every week. And it is one thing, and I'm thankful for a church, it is one thing for the church to commit to these things. But it's another thing for you to commit to it. Our church has made a commitment to Scripture memory. We try to make it as visible as possible. Have you? Young man, young lady, grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, is this just a program? Have you committed to that? The Bible is not meant to remain ink on a page or pixels on a screen. God gave it to us to be such a part of our lives that it becomes written on our hearts. My grandmother was stricken with Alzheimer's, full-fledged Alzheimer's disease, and she had to be moved to a special facility in South Pittsburgh. No place in Chattanooga, no place in Eastridge. Had to go to South Pittsburgh to a place that could handle her because of her violent and aggressive, vulgar behavior. That's not who she was. This disease ravaged her. I remember visiting her one day, which was a, uh, not an easy thing to do, sitting there with her and just trying, it's so awkward, just trying your best. And she started saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. She said in the most angry voice you can imagine, pronouncing it to the whole room, Jesus loves me, this I know. Uh, ugly and accusing, it's such a, such a mismatch. What that sickness, what that disease, what the sin-stricken world had done to her had changed her personality, had changed her attitude, but it never took away that truth. It never took away those words from her. They were hidden somewhere in her heart. If you were judged today by how you've allowed God's word to take permanent residence within you, what would the verdict be? Where would you stand? How would you feel under that scrutiny? We have something here that is precious to store up in our hearts. 
to become so familiar with that it never leaves us. This psalm is very personal. The words I and my and me are used over and over again. I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin, that I might not wander. It's almost a plea, oh God, don't let me wander. It's very personal. But it's personal on God's side too. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's me and God. It's not just about issues to know where God stands on abortion and where he stands on this or that and uh, what he thinks it's, it's what matters in your life. What, what, is, what does God want for your life? When you're straying, it's not just knowledge, but it's surrender. Nobody can do that for you. You hear me? Nobody can do that for you today. But listen, God will do it with you. If you find yourself in a situation today where you think, if, the, if, if my life were open and God saw what was hidden in my heart, oh, I would be ashamed. Then you go to him. Only you can do it, but God will help you through it. If it's time for you to start a new relationship with God's word, why not do that today and see what happens? Let me pray for us. Just a moment I'd like to extend to you just an offer. It's just an offer to respond. The Lord does not deserve. And His Word is not so valueless that we ought to hear from Him and hear from it and remain stagnant. What kind of people are unmovable? So today, if you've heard something from God's Word or in this time of worship that Trey has led us in, the invitation is here that you would respond to it. And you can do that right from your seat. You don't have to make a big public thing and come down here. But if you can do it from your seat, then I plead with you, do it. Don't just let these moments pass by quietly and the clock tick down. And maybe today you would respond publicly. There are times when it is right and really the only right thing is for you to do something special to you, for you to make a move toward God in a way that is different and distinct, that signals to you and to heaven, Lord, I want a new path. Maybe today if that's you, you walk this aisle and bend your knee to pray to God and to show Him that. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be happy to. If you want to be alone, I'll leave you alone. Maybe today you'd come for church membership or baptism. Maybe you're here today and you're the one who's suffering. It's your surgery tomorrow. It's your wife that's gone 66 years you need to come and just ask the Lord to heal and to help the aisle is open for you today Heavenly Father thank you for the word of God Father we we don't even know what to do with God with your word it is so powerful it is so precious and we we are all Lord I'm first I'm right there we have all failed to honor it the way it deserves Father, heal us from that. Stand with us and strengthen us. Help us to want it, to thirst for it, to desire it more than anything else. 
we give this to you in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I welcome you to respond.